June 23rd and 24th, 2032. International Conference on the Future of Bullfighting. Very much anticipated. Voting expected to be under worldwide scrutiny. Aficionados consider bullfighting as an immutable tradition and an intrinsic part of their cultural identity. Opponents claim it should be banned because it is cruel, archaic, barbaric. The conference opened at the International Conference Center in Geneva, Switzerland. Capacity, 2000. Switzerland has never been a bullfighting country, and it is known for being neutral. And for its chocolate, too, but that's beside the point. The demonstration on the Conference Center Plaza began at 7 in the morning. Hundreds of anti-bullfighting activists and aficionados from all over Europe had assembled in order to pressure the participants. They had banners, flyers, megaphones. The press was there. So was the police, in order to contain likely skirmishes. The participants filed into the conference center, signed up, took their electronic voting devices, as well as their headsets to follow the simultaneous translation, and settled in. The invitation to attend had specified that the conference would be in Norwegian, Vietnamese, and Swahili, because an intern on the organizing committee had got the languages wrong. Spanish, French, Portuguese, English was the correct combination. Thank goodness there were interpreters available in those languages at the last minute. They had initially been recruited to work at a conference on the digestive benefits of yogurt, but the event was cancelled because groundbreaking biologists whose work should have been presented had suffered food poisoning at a greasy spoon near their lab. Anyway, the first session in the morning dealt with the history of bullfighting. The speakers were academic experts. They described the origins and the evolution of the tradition and established comparisons between countries and regions. There were a few innocuous arguments about semantics. There was a lunch break from 12.30 to 2 p.m., while the participants were eating at the cafeteria, there was an announcement on the PA system. The conference was going to resume with a slight delay because one of the French interpreters had been criticized for being biased against bullfighting and not translating properly. She had to be replaced. Thank goodness another conference had been canceled on the role of the yogurt industry, it's neither here nor there. The afternoon session opened at 2.30. It addressed national legislations on bullfighting and regulatory developments over the past 50 years. 
there were boos and rounds of applause. After the coffee break, the Portuguese chairman had great difficulty running the meeting. Everyone was pretty edgy, especially because the intern on the organizing committee had ordered way too much coffee for the coffee break. The Q&A session was canceled, allegedly for lack of time. There were demonstrations in the evening. The activists marched down the streets on the Lake Geneva shoreline. Some stupid with a flare gun nearly burned down the gambling house. There was an awful sound. They ended up on the main square. Fake bulls were tortured, maimed, killed in front of City Hall. Posters showing animal cruelty were brandished. A giant inflatable bull was blown up with swords and daggers, and the ketchup that was inside was splattered all over the square and the onlookers. One of them was allergic to ketchup and had to be taken to hospital. The next morning was about public opinion. The French speakers explained how divided society was and how important it was for politicians to take a stance. Being equivocal, muzzy, nebulous, recondite, or obfuscatory, they said, could no longer be an option. American sociologists explained that bullfighting had become a dividing factor in society. The French snickered at them for their rudimentary vocabulary. Finally, the afternoon session was about the next steps and the final vote on bullfighting. The Swiss chairwoman was firm, fair, and efficient. Statistics on bullfighting were displayed, discussed, disputed. Humane considerations were upheld. Traditional values were defended. A long, tumultuous discussion took place. The conference overran the schedule by one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. Meanwhile, the activists on the plaza had been lighting bonfires and shooting fireworks. Fire in the sky. Fights were breaking out and getting more and more violent. The Swiss TV's live coverage went global. It made the Situation Room on CNN with Wolf Blitzer and John King, who had a map of the world with blue countries and red countries, as well as all kinds of pie charts and graphs he was happy to show and comment upon. At ten past midnight, the conference organizing committee issued a press release. It stated that 54% of the participants had voted an international ban on bullfighting under the auspices of the United Nations. But the press release also stated that one last bullfight would take place exactly one year later, on June 24th, 2033. 
it was agreed that the last bullfight would not be held in Spain or in Latin America. After lengthy discussions and a tight vote, the designated country was France. The fight would take place in the city of Nîmes, where the arena is one of the best-preserved Roman amphitheaters in the world. It was built at the end of the first century, shortly after the Colosseum in Rome, and it has remained in pristine condition both on the outside and on the inside. An architectural landmark for a watershed moment. Plus, there are several good restaurants in the neighborhood. The bull would be French, and it had to be between four and five years old. The designated matador was a woman from Ecuador, Esmeralda Gomez, Fernandez, Garcia Martinez, Del Sol, her friends call her Esme, with love and honor. June 24th, 2033. She arrived in the bullring on horseback, in the Portuguese style. Her horse was a small black borghete, with a proud head carriage, a very thick flowing mane and tail, and feathered feet. She circled the ring four times, as the four groups of assistants, the novieros, banderilleros, rejoneadores, and picadores, made their entrance. When they were all in the ring, she dismounted and bowed before the cheering crowd. The youngest of the novieros led her horse out. In the hours before the fight, she had performed her ceremonious dressing ritual during which she was, as always, attended by her two sisters, who helped her with her traje de luces, her suit of lights made of sequins and threads of silver and gold. The taliguillas, the close-fitting tights, the chacutilla, the short jacket, attached only at the upper shoulder to allow the free and unimpeded movement of the arms, the camisa, her lucky white embroidered shirt, the zapatillas, her flat slippers, which she decorated herself with pink bows, and, of course, the capote de paseo, her magenta, blue, and yellow silk mantle with luxurious and flamboyant embroidery. Oh, yes, she was definitely dressed to kill. She removed her capote de paseo and handed it to a noviero, who ran out of the ring and returned with a purple muleta, a long cape used to entice the bull to charge. The crowd fell silent. She walked with great resolve towards the gate of the Chiquero, the stall from which the bull was to enter. She made the sign of the cross and kneeled before the gate. Apart from a few asthma sufferers in attendance, everyone held their breath. In that position, she was about to start the fight with a most dangerous pass, known as a porta gaiola. Mm -hmm. 
the bull that had been painstakingly selected was known as Ernest. It had been named by the breeder's wife, who was a professor of English at the University of Nîmes. In academic circles, she was a reputable scholar of Hemingway and Oscar Wilde. Esmeralda nodded to the noviero who was standing at the gate awaiting her instructions. The gate flew open, and the last bull in the history of bullfighting rushed in. Anger, pride, fear, impatience incarnate in one thousand pounds of muscle and fury. Esmeralda waved her muleta, which flew above its head, making it even madder than it had been for being detained. She then jumped to her feet and joined the bull in the center of the ring. She took in her rival's full body, then examined its front and hind quarters, and, finally, sank her eyes into his. She waved her muleta for the second time. The fight in the ring could really begin. Esmeralda worked the capes and daggers in the recognizable styles of the great matadors of the past. The steadfastness and boldness of Joselito El Gallo, the close and graceful cape work of Juan Belmonte, Domingo Ortega and his seamless teamwork with the banderilleros and the picadors, Jose Feliciano, Carlos Santana, Cochinillo Asado, Gambas Agilio, Pulpo Alagalleda, and, of course, everyone knew that in the final act of the fight, she would pay a vibrant tribute to the first ever Torera, the female bullfighter Concepcion Cintron Veril, also known as Conchita Cintron, or La Diosa de Oro, the Golden Goddess. Not to be mistaken for the turquoise goddess, Cho Oyu, which is a mountain in the Himalayas, as you may recall. Esmeralda worked closer to the bull's horns than had ever been believed possible. The fight was definitely the most thrilling in history. Eventually, as they both reached the height of exhilaration and exhaustion, the moment of the ultimate encuentro arrived, when both the bull and the matador must run towards each other for the final fight. Esmeralda looked earnest in the eye. She removed her embroidered Montera from her head and tossed it to the crowd. A 
A little girl in the second row behind the Barrera caught it and clutched it close to her heart. Still sternly staring at the bull, Esmeralda placed her hand behind her head and undid the coletta, which held the monia, the bun her sisters had made for her. She shook her head, and her hair came down, flowing long and proud, like her horse's mane. Everyone, even the asthma sufferers, held their breath. The arena fell silent. There was only the disafio, the sound the bull makes when it paws the ground and prepares to charge. The sword thrust was the most traditional, the most technically perfect ever accomplished. The shining metal plunged deep through the hide and the flesh of the bull's neck and between the shoulder blades. Dark blood gushed out profusely, splashing Esmeralda's face and blinding her from seeing the bull's left horn pierce her chest and gore her to death. They both fell to the ground and laid motionless, face to face. Esmeralda's arms wrapped around Ernest's neck. The purple cape entirely covered his head, save for one eye that was still open and staring at her. In a posthumous attempt, to torment her, or perhaps forgive her in the hereafter. The crowd rose in silent awe. Several women fainted. The two pools of blood coalesced into one in the bull ring's golden sand. It was as though Esmeralda and Ernest had died giving birth to each other. For this, indeed, was un nuevo inicio en humanidad. A new beginning in humaneness. Mm -hmm.